fantastic. So Nicole, welcome to Ocean's Vibe Radio. How are you doing today? You look absolutely beautiful. Yes, I can. I can hear you very well. Luckily for you, I actually dressed up for the occasion. I am shooting today, so I do look semi-decent. You look amazing. <laughs> but, what, what are you shooting? Um, we're doing a little bit of film today. I've started doing some fun stuff in the film industry and being a bit creative and working on the craft of entertainment. I'm really enjoying it. That's really fantastic. I actually was speaking to um, a good friend of mine, Jonathan Boyton Lee, and um, he was telling me that <laughs> that you had recently done some really fun things um, and that you're starting a new talk show as well. Yes, that's right. Um, talking about things that women are not supposed to talk about with a really cool, uh, quirky, fun angle. I think that we all need a bit of humor in our lives. Yes. We also need to start those conversations. So I really appreciate what you're doing with your show and the way that you're trying to bring the light and the dark together in a good way that, uh, that creates a platform to nurture these kinds of conversations. Thank you so much. Um, I do think it's important to maintain the light and the dark. And um, one of the things that I must say is quite challenging um, very often is maintaining the light and the dark. And I know that, um, um, but you've also dealt with a lot of dark yourself. And, um, and I think that it's so important to discuss these things because um, a lot of people, they shy away from it. And... I think it's so empowering when people in a public position specifically or in, even in their communities just stand up and say, this actually happened to me and this is what I did to heal from that situation and how I tackled that situation and get regained my power. Because I think that right now we are in a, we're in a crisis, aren't we, Nicole, um, in our country? And in the world, I don't think it's just our country. I think it's it's in the world. And the fact that you were open enough to speak about your abuse as a child, um, I think is fantastic. What led you to take that stand, to make that decision, to actually make this public? I think my journey since being involved was a, been one of um, authenticity and trying to own exactly who I am and what I've been through. And uh, I find that we live in South Africa in this really fake, perfect world. Yeah. And everybody is striving for this perfection. And part of that is not telling our stories because of fear of shame or humiliation or failure. And all of the above side of tell my story of abuse, which I thought, oh, it's not so bad, you know, we don't really need to talk about it, people have been through far worse, um, it's just sweeping under the rug, and I only decided to tell it in my 30s, and that's not okay, mm. but I think the bigger message for me is that it happens a lot more than you would think, which is unacceptable, but these things happen, yeah. and it's not as life-defining and fear is obviously not as life-defining as we make it out to be. So I'm trying to kind of shatter this not wanting to talk about our failures, whether they're our fault or not, whether we're a victim or not. 
everybody is a victim at some point in their lives. Mm. The more we talk about it, the more okay it's going to be, the better we can get up, dust ourselves off and, off and help one another recover and heal. I know that's a bit of a different perspective, but I want to create a positive narrative around this, not one my story is so devastating. Feel sorry for me. No, mm. my story was, was hard, but you probably also have a story. The mm. person that all has a story too. And if we can all talk about them, we can help each other triumph over them because it's not about sitting down and being a victim. It's about actually taking ownership of our lives and the outcomes. So it's so interesting to me um, that, that you brought up the fact that, you know, in South Africa, we have this facade you know, of perfection, because I, th I think that it's not only in South Africa, I think it's a worldwide problem, and especially with social media, because um, social media creates a pressure around being perfect and looking perfect and acting perfect, and, and that we have this perfect life when actually nobody has a perfect life at all, because there's no such thing as a perfect life. How does that fit in with being Miss, um, Mrs. South Africa, beauty pageants, you know? Um, I love that you're talking about being authentic and being real. And I've been totally stalking you, by the way, because that's kind of my, my job. When I want to interview someone, I want to know who they really are. And I, I love the fact that you are not the typical um, and... I don't think I'm wrong here. I don't think you're the typical Mrs. South Africa or Miss South Africa, that kind of person, because you've got all these different facets to you. And for me, it's very encouraging that it seems to be shifting what we're looking for as a representative of a woman who we look up to in our country. How has that journey been for you? And how does that fit into who you are as a person and wanting to be authentic? So I'm very grateful for the platform that I've had because it gave me a voice. But ever since then, I've been craving opportunities to create a really authentic narrative for what real beauty is, especially for women. Mm -hmm. And it is not perfection. And it is not red lipstick and pageant hair and dress. It's what I've been trying to do is strip that down. Survive in South Africa. You're on a beach for 39 days with strangers with no makeup and no hair and no food, stripped to your lowest, darkest self. And um, when you get up on, onto a mountain, you are nothing but your weakest and your strongest all in one. And it's about, yeah, finding out who you really are, good, bad, and ugly, and then removing those labels away from that. Um, I am a recovering beauty queen. You're because recovering, all, sorry, you broke up there for a second. I am a, I am a recovering beauty queen. Okay. Because I really believe that although the process taught me a lot, um, we need to really break away from what society approves of mm. as beautiful. And I think that any pageant or search or competition uh, needs to include holistically what a woman should represent. And, um, yeah, I want to start those kinds of conversations. That's, that's really great. So, so if I'm understanding correctly, you did have to fit into a specific mold in order to win the competition. But then winning the competition has allowed you a platform um, to break down the previous norms. And, um, and you're doing everything you can to, to take advantage of that. 
Well, I think, especially when you're a mom, so I've got a little girl at home, and mm. I think, what is she looking at? And I know that when I won, you know, what are little girls looking at that they think they have to become, to be acceptable, to be loved, and um, to fit in and find a place in the world? No, um, you know, that place and that box in the world is however you define it. And mm -hmm. I want to show, especially my baby girl, I think that that is one of the most essential things. You know, so many people have been speaking about the pressures on men um, over the last um, couple of years, decades, um, with this change, you know, of women coming into power and men feeling confused about what their roles are, you know, what what is still acceptable, being a gentleman, opening a door, um, paying for a bill, all of these things that men are kind of battling with, and I say this in inverted commas. And I recently, I don't know if you've seen this video, I think it's going very viral at the moment, um, with um, Miranda from Sex and the City, the actress that played Miranda from Sex and the City. I will send it to you. Um, but it's all about the pressures that women face you know, um, you're too thin. You, what men actually like curves. You, you shouldn't wear too much makeup. Oh, red lipstick makes you look sexy. And all of these contradictions that are being thrown at women on a daily basis. Don't dress slutty. Oh my gosh, you're dressing so drab. It's this constant contradiction that's happening every single day. And what are we actually telling our young girls? What are we telling them to be? I think women are growing up more confused than ever before because before there was kind of a role that women were stuck into and then women were like, screw that, I'm going to be what I want to be and I'm going to be empowered and I'm going to be me. But it, it is a struggle and I can see that it's probably a struggle for you as well because I like to be beautiful. I like to feel sexy and just so that you know I was also abused and I've been sexually assaulted so that, that's, been a, that's been a huge struggle for me to come to a point where I can look at my body and go okay you are beautiful, you are sexy and you're allowed to be. That doesn't mean that you're going to get abused for being that way so embracing your sexiness. But how do we teach our little girls that it's okay to be sexy in a world like this? I am a rebel. I think I have become a rebel and I'm proud of a rebel. I'm not too precious with my reputation to start real essential conversations. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I push against that. Uh, stereotype. I will wear my red lipstick and my fancy ball gown on a red carpet on Friday night, but on Saturday I'm going to go and climb a mountain and get dirt underneath my fingernails and do something that women shouldn't do. And I, it's not just that. It's not just about whether you wear makeup or not. Yeah. It's all of the questions that come with it. And for me, I'm trying to find a quiet spot um, because this is an important conversation. For me, um, I'm really... Yeah, I, I battle with this stereotype uh, box that we're put in as women and especially as moms. The most frequent question I get asked as a professional, professional woman who has built her career specifically, I've worked really hard to get where I am today and I've still got a long way to go. But the biggest question I get asked is, how do you juggle all those balls? 
Mm. And for me, that's a very condescending question, which I like to talk about because a man doesn't get asked that question, never. And it doesn't matter how much he does. It's almost as if there's this narrative that women are only supposed to do one or two roles and that they should be selflessly mothers about all other things, otherwise they are not effective as women or moms. And this, although maybe somebody's not saying it openly, that is the underlying tone of society at the moment. But the Nicole, don't you think... More often than that, why are you climbing mountain why are you doing a dangerous sport why are you taking time away from your family But Nicole, don't you think that the reason why people say to women, oh my goodness, how do you juggle all things? Because when I hear that, um, you know, I see moms as literally superheroes. You know, I'm sure you've seen that meme where the skirt is actually a cape on, um, you know, the silhouette of, of a woman. And I do, I see moms as superheroes. And I think the reason why when I hear, oh my goodness, how do you juggle all things? The, my perception of that is that men don't seem to have the same amount of responsibilities as as moms do like dads don't seem to not and i say that as a gross generalization to all my male listeners i apologize if that sounds wrong but i think it's because moms tend to take the lead in terms of the nurturing role within the family and i think there are a lot of um, families now that are balancing that out but that is how moms are having more time to effectively juggle so many balls because it is juggling a whole bunch of balls being a mom climbing mountains having a tv show do having a being the ceo of a lifestyle luxury brand do you know what i mean being a speaker present you're juggling a hell of a lot of balls and to do that effectively because we only have so many hours in the day. We only have so much energy to give. That is incredible. It's wonderful. And so when I hear somebody saying like about you, oh my goodness, how do you do that? I think give us your secrets. Not, uh, I don't see it in a condescending way at all. You know, I think there's a lot of moms that are battling out there and would love to have more time, more tools in which to achieve more of their own dreams and where I do agree with you is that when moms do go after their dreams while being moms it inspires their kids to go after their dreams so I think that that is very important but do you understand what I'm saying in terms of the juggling of the balls and you see this is where we start to open up a whole can of worms in different conversations because you know that construct around how many things a mom can fit into a day. Yes. We should be more supportive of each other as moms. Agreed. As women. And be able to create a nurturing environment where we can juggle all those balls. And, um, yeah, for me, I'm very lucky. I, I hate the word lucky because I've chosen and designed my life. I have people in my life, my tribe, who make it possible for me to do what I do. But I deliberately pursued that path of putting those people in my life. So I have support around mm. my children. That's not just around me. Mm. Um, so we need to try and start these conversations because you can't expect somebody to do everything. It's all, always about collaboration. 
Absolutely. I mean, um, Oprah famously says luck is where preparation meets opportunity, you know, and it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. You've you've done the preparation. You've created the tribe, the team to support you so that when the opportunities come knocking, you can effectively take advantage of those opportunities. And I think that that's what so many women, um, well, so many people, actually, not just women, so many people um, don't know how to do effectively. Um, I'm going to bring us back to, because I know that you, under time restraints, you're busy teaching um, a course at the same time, um, or you shooting at the same time as doing this interview. You've taken a little break to come and chat to us. But I just want to come back to um, the situation in society. What do you tell your daughter about how to be a strong little girl that is going to grow into this society in a positive way? So that's the best question because it's what she tells me and what she's taught me. I have a little girl who faces a daily battle with cystic fibrosis and her diagnosis when she was six weeks old was literally the catalyst for change in my life. That shook me into realizing I need to be an example for my little girl, but she fights every single day without knowing it. And if that is the message that I can try and create for other women, yes, I was sexually abused at the age of nine. <laughs> it is an experience that I don't like talking about to this day. But definitely therapy is very important in creating uh, meaning out of it. But bad things happen because this is life and it's not a Disney movie. And I've seen my little girl, she didn't choose it. Her genes have decided that every single day she has four to six hours of physiotherapy and nebulizing. She takes handfuls of capsules to be able to absorb her food. And she doesn't know any different. It's an attitude of, hey, this is my lot. This has happened. I will take what's been done to me and I'm going to make the best of it because what is my other choice? My other choice is to lie down and to feel sorry for myself and to make excuses why I can't. And the crazy thing is, yes, I could do that. That could be my other flip side of my coin. But she didn't choose that because she didn't know how to choose that. And the human spirit, if we dig deep within ourselves, is one of absolute resilience. We want to be champions. We want to fight and win. So every time that we're presented as women especially, with the femicide, with the set of circumstances around women, uh, the narrative of male privilege in South Africa, the, uh, the whole story that we have to face, it is what it is. And I think it's time that women take their own seat at the table despite their circumstances, despite the abuse. And I don't know how you feel about that, but that's literally the lessons that I've learned from four-year-old as I've watched her not choose, as I've watched her live. I, I mean, I, th I think that, um, you know, it is such... A challenge having a child that that is in that position but as you say it's brought you insurmountable gifts as well you know that that you never would have received without her facing that challenge um i don't know if you've read the book um conversations with god no but in it um, there's this it's there's this wonderful passage that literally speaks about the fact that you know without um, without a doctor knowing illness, he would never know how to create a cure. 
So it's almost like these challenges come into our lives to show us what we are capable of, what we are made of really, the stuff that we are made of. And, and that gives us the ability to, to expand and grow and become. And um, I, from listening to the way you're speaking about your daughter, I have no doubt that she has very specifically chosen this path to come into your life to help not only herself grow in a specific way, but all those around her, including you. And it looks like she's doing a phenomenal job at doing it. Um, I, well, you know, one of our next um, challenges coming up is to actually go back and climb Kilimanjaro again this year. Um, and the climbing was an all-woman crew. There's 12 women climbing. Um, on Women's Day, Women's Day in August, we planted Sun Achille, the highest point in Africa, but also supported by the women porters of Tanzania. These are women ah. that carry 20 kilogram packs on their head that are as strong, if not stronger, than the men on that mountain. And the only reason I tell this story is because there's so many parallels between mountains and real life. And it's always that painful uphill journey that you remember, you laugh about, you tell stories about that, that horrific near-death climb that was so traumatic. That's what defines you. That's what gives you your character and your mm. empathy and we hated at the time literally and I don't mean to sound callous because some of those moments are literally the darkest moments of my life and obviously of your listeners but that is the gift it's the gift absolutely often the 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 most valuable gifts come in really awful packaging um, and it's really up to us to transform them into the gifts that they can be in our lives. Nicole Kappa, thank you so much. I know that you are busy doing a whole bunch of very interesting things. So I really um, urge all of the listeners to jump onto Instagram, onto Facebook and follow Nicole Kappa, Mrs. South Africa. She's a mountaineer, speaker, presenter, CEO of Luxury Lifestyle Essay and so much more. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and having conversations. I think that it is so important that we have these conversations that so many people tend to shy away from um, so that we can bring light to situations and thus cause change. So thank you. I really, really honor and appreciate you for being here today. Well, thank you for creating this opportunity and this platform. And you're just amazing. I can't wait for us to have a copy sometime off air. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. And good luck with the rest of your day of shooting. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.